Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. (laughs) Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. To think that a, th- a sickness from... A personal perspective is all about me is a problem. If you want to catch me speaking, I have some engagements coming up, and that is uh, starting February 2nd at Hoax Bluff, Alabama. I'm going to be in Starkville, Mississippi on March the 8th. Florence, Alabama on March the 9th, Colorado Springs, Colorado on March the 23rd, Carthage, Texas on April 1st, uh, Orange County, California on April 29th, Bismarck, North Dakota, May 3rd, and Franklin, Tennessee on May 9th, and then there'll be some more to get added to that, uh, Lord willing. So uh, I, w- I wanted to I wanted to welcome everybody to the podcast that hasn't been here hasn't listened to it yet, what I do is I answer your questions. And you email me, podcast at grangersmith.com, and I just walk through it. I don't have any notes in front of me. In fact, I, I haven't even seen these questions yet. <laughs> so it's, it's a little bit scary because I could just I could just fall into anything. Uh, I have no idea what I'm getting into, but I'm just going to answer it as if we're just friends and we're walking through life together. Uh, again, the email is podcast at grangersmith.com. The first question comes from Tommy. It says, hey, Granger, how did friends and family react to your decision to start preaching? Did you have to cut ties with anyone? If so, do you have any advice to others on how to deal with that separation? I enjoy listening to your podcast. Thanks, Tommy. Yeah, man, thank, thank you for emailing Tommy, and thanks for listening to other episodes as well. And you know, the reaction, as you could probably imagine, was was all over the map. There were people that that said, "Man, we're so encouraged. You know, this is amazing." Then we had the other people that said, "I'm so sad. You're not going to be playing music anymore. What will we do? I lived for your music." Uh, we had people that said, "Don't care. Never, never liked you anyway." <laughs> and then we had uh, another group that was pretty interesting to me. The group that said. Hey, Granger, if you ever need to talk, you ever need someone to just talk with, I'm, I just want to let you know I'm here. And I thought to myself, oh, those are the people that think I've gone crazy. <laughs> so so those are, those are the different kinds of groups and uh, a lot of different reactions. But it's all expected, right? You, you, you expect uh, all these different kinds of reactions. The next part of your question says, did, did you have to cut ties with anyone? No, I definitely didn't cut ties with anyone, but there are people that I don't hear from anymore that maybe I, I used to hear from a lot. And I actually have a list, This that maybe to help answer your question, you said, do you have any advice on how to deal with that separation? I have a list on my phone. I have an iPhone and I have on my notes, I just have a long running list and it just keeps growing of people that I need to reach out to. And I'm a big voice texter. I like to voice text, which shouldn't be a surprise as I sit here in this chair and talking to your microphone. But 
um, I have a running list and there's a lot of people that, that I'll just reach out and just be like, Hey man, uh, this is a voice text. I'll just say, Hey, thinking about you, no need to reply, but, uh, just thinking about you, man. And, um, hope we get to connect soon. Right now that's an open invitation. That, that message is open invitation to anyone that wants to come back and go, actually, uh, yeah, man, I've been wanting to grab lunch or coffee or when's the next time you're through this town. And then for some of those, they don't reply at all, you know? And so it's interesting because as I've gone from country music into the guy that gives advice on a podcast and has a radio show and travels around and preaches, I don't ever want it to come across as, man, I haven't heard from Granger in a while. I wonder if that means that I'm just too far gone for him. Or I'm just not, I'm not good enough for Granger. Like I, I don't ever want that to be, to be a conversation that, that is had. So that's why that, that's what motivated me to start this list. Like, man, I better get this list going and I do it. And I usually spend time every morning going down that list and hitting somebody up and I don't always hear back. So yeah, it's just, it's interesting. Um, I appreciate you, Tommy. And let's go to the next question from Clayton says, Hey Granger, my name is Clayton. I'm 21 years old. I had a question on the Apocrypha and its reliability and why it is excluded from the Bible. I was wondering if you knew or had any books that would help with this sort of topic. I want to be better understanding about how we got the Bible and why things were excluded or included. And I'm just now getting into apologetics and I absolutely love it. Please recommend any books on or videos as well. Any recommendations are greatly appreciated. Hey, Clayton, appreciate the question, man. I, I, I love this. For anyone that's wondering, apologetics is the... It is the the way that we, well, I don't want to say this the wrong way, because what it really means is defending the faith, but it doesn't mean it in like a military or, or aggressive type way. It's, it's, it's giving people the reason for the hope that is within us, right? So be ready with a defense, which is in Greek, apologia, so that's where that word apologetics comes from. So be ready with a defense for anyone that asked you about the hope that's in you. That's the gist of where that idea comes from. And then th that defense, wh which comes with patience and love and salt and light, um, it, it comes from, it, it could defend any. Um, any piece of our faith, including uh, his question, which is, I had questions about the Apocrypha, which is the extra books that are in the Catholic Bible. I think that's the best, the easiest way for me to say it. These books were added in the 16th century. So it's not an ancient thing. It's not, it's not really old. It, it didn't start that way, and then Protestants took books out of the Bible. In fact, the Apocrypha was added as a response to the Protestant Reformation. So the Protestants said, hey, we're going to go back to the Bible because we think that things, are, things aren't being taught from the Bible itself, from Scripture itself. And so they broke—that was essentially— a big reason why they broke they broke off. And then Catholic leadership came back and said, well, in response to you leaving saying you're just going to go to scripture alone because we want to we we believe in the authority of the church that is equal to the authority of scripture. So if you're going to go do that, we're going to go ahead and just tell you that we're going to add some more books to this. I I'm I'm making it sound um worse. <laughs> I'm making it, I'm not telling the, the, the full spectrum of the story I'm, because I'm trying to make it quick. Here's the thing about the Apocrypha. Um, you said, is it reliable? Yeah, the, the Apocrypha is actually not false. It's not, it's not like false doctrine or, or bad truth or it, fake history. It's, it's not that at all. In fact, uh, the Apocrypha, I, I would say, is reliable. Yes, that's your question. And it is 
historical. And a lot of it fills in the, the gaps between that, that 400-year gap between Malachi and the New Testament, Matthew. So the, you have stories of books, ancient text that fill in that gap, that are historically reliable, but they are not considered scripture, which means they're not considered divinely inspired. They are not considered the Word of God, which makes it different. That's the difference between being reliable as a historical document, where you can go, yeah, yeah, we could, we could see this, we could, we could trace this back, and then saying, not only is it reliable historical document, but it's also the Word of God. There's a big difference, and that's the cutoff there, because Scripture is inerrant, meaning it is, it, it is the truth. The Apocrypha is stories, real stories, but not inerrant, okay? Does that make any sense? I'm trying to use the best, my best choice of words that makes the, make this a very difficult conversation easier to digest. The, the canon itself, which is, a, we, could, we can do an entire podcast on this, is when you say, well, if that's reliable, and the Bible is reliable, where did the canon come from? Why, was, why were those books excluded in the first place? Well, the best and easiest way to just explain that is that we look back, not because of like the Council of Nicaea, where it's like a bunch of men got together and decided, of all the books in the world, let's choose these and this will be the canon. That's a false representation of the Council of Nicaea. Instead, it was a group of men that got together and said, we know what the books are because they've been passed down through the church. Through we, we know these books, and so we need to fence this off and put it in stone, put it in writing, that these are the books, in order to defend it against heresy that's coming in saying, this, what about this book, what about this book, what about this book? You see, so there's a big difference between men coming in and going, let's get all the books on the table and see which one we should pick for the canon, and a group of men that said, we know the canon but we need to actually put it in writing that this is the canon. Let's officially do that and close it so that no more of these people could say, what about this book of Thomas here? And there, there's a bunch of reasons why we, we wouldn't include the book of Thomas in the canon. Great conversation and so, so exciting and so fun. I mean, there's some straight up Indiana Jones stuff when you really get into that kind of, the, the scripture inerrancy apologetic is really, really fun in a deep rabbit hole. And um, like I said, could take an entire podcast to go through. Um, where should you go? If I was going to suggest a few things quickly here, um, that's a, a great question. And there is a, a quick little book by Greg Gilbert called Why Trust the Bible. Very short book, uh, easy to understand. Why Trust the Bible? You can find it on Amazon. There's a great YouTube page called Apologia Studios. You could also say it Apologia. It's how it looks. Apologia Studios. Great um, YouTube page. And there's a great video on that YouTube page about the that's deconstructing the idea that Constantine decided the canon. Like, there's a lot of people, and I've heard this heresy many times, and it came from the, uh, I believe it came from the movie Da Vinci Code that Constantine, the emperor of Rome, got together. He became a Christian, and, and he's the one that decided the canon. And it's completely false. It never happened. Uh, so look up on YouTube, Apologia Studios, Constantine. Just type in that. And there's a, there's, there's a two-part series. It's a great historical two-part series that's going to just guide you through facts and not, uh, not hearsay and not fiction. So... Dude, email back. This is, like I said, this is, there's so much in this email. Uh, but email back, and I'd be happy to walk through this again with you. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. I don't understand 
what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? This is a show about women. Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to European political systems class at Baruch College. Woo! Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. That's it. That's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. And looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Beauty Translated Season 3 is coming soon with... What? A second host? I'm Carmen Laurent, and this season I am joined full-time by world-renowned Janie Danger. Janie, what are we talking about in season three? We're talking about life, Carmen. Beauty Translated is about the many fragmented lives spreading across this rich tapestry of the trans experience. Janie, this sounds like an all-new format. Podcasting 2 is finally here. Thoughtful perspectives on current events... Stunning, sexy, bold interviews with an all-star lineup of guests. And the all-new Beauty Translated Love Line, the first ever. Be a part of the Beauty Translated Transcendental Podcasting Experience by calling our helpline at 678-561-2785. For any problem you may have, we will do our best to make it worse. Listen to Beauty Translated Season 3 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Bye. If you haven't done it in a while, go to yeeyee.com. That's our apparel company, me and my two brothers, Tyler and Parker. And I'd love for you to see the new stuff we have. We had the winter launch come out a few weeks ago, and we're gearing up for the spring launch. So we're right in between, and I want to make sure that you're staying up to date with what we have going on with your favorite outdoor apparel company, Yee Yee. We're also trying to give away a bunch of stickers right now. So if you got a cool truck, hey, message us. DM us or comment on the latest post on our Instagram page, Yee Yee Apparel, and tell us you got a cool truck and we need to send you a free sticker. That's what we're going to do. Also, if you want a message from me, if you want a video message from my phone, go to cameo.com slash Granger Smith and you could request anything you want. You just type in, hey, Granger, it's my brother's birthday. Can, can you give him a, a video saying, yee yee, and I saw you at the concert a few years ago, and he loves Earl Dibbles Jr. Can you give him a shout out? Whatever you want me to say, I'll say it for you, and I'll shoot you that video message again. That's at cameo.com slash Granger Smith. Next question comes from Anonymous. Hey, Granger, I'm a big fan of yours since the country music days. The podcast is amazing, and it's been great to see how God is using you. I have been in a six-year long relationship with a guy who ultimately knew it wasn't, who I ultimately knew wasn't God's best. I think, I think I know what that means. Unfortunately, I was hurt, blindsided, ultimately heartbroken, but I let fear, insecurity, etc. keep me from moving on. After tons of back and forth, I just realized we needed to end, and most importantly, for me to let go. Although it's been a difficult process, it has helped me reprioritize my relationship with God. What would you advise me to do moving forward to heal from this and gain back my confidence slash trust in God? Lots of love, Anonymous. Let me recap just so I understand what you're saying here. Um, Six-year relationship that was probably bad, I'm assuming. Um, you were blindsided, you were hurt, heartbroken. Um, but after that, you couldn't move on. Then you, they, they probably broke up. You broke up, I'm assuming, and then you just kind of like it lingered and you got back together and then you broke up again. That, that happens. And then you realized uh, in the end that you needed to completely cut it off cold turkey. I'm recapping from my own brain. 
and it's helped you now reprioritize your relationship with God. So your, your question, I'm trying to get your question. Your question is, how do you move forward to heal from this and gain back your confidence slash trust in God? So you're, you're implying that you lost trust in God through this relationship. I think that like, that's what I would question. If we were riding in the truck together and you brought this up, I would say, you're trying to gain back confidence in God because you lost it in that relationship? Or were you just so into that relationship that you you moved away and you feel that distance? Because look, a relationship with God is like this. It's like, imagine God is an island and you are the canoe and you roll around and you, you use your oars and you drift with the tide and you go up and down with the storms and, and you feel distant from the island. Sometimes the island seems so small. Sometimes it seems unreachable. Sometimes the, the island is hazy and hard to see at all. And sometimes it's very present and you're right up against it. But in reality, the island never moves. Only you do as you drift. So we, we could think of that as our relationship with God. God is not going anywhere. He is unchanging. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is unmovable. It is us that drift and bounce with the tide constantly. So there's your first step in regaining this confidence. He didn't go anywhere. In fact, he was always there in the same place. Uh, it was you that drifted, okay? Totally happens. I, I totally get it, right? And then you're, you're wondering how to move forward. What, one just piece of practical advice in this is stay, at, stay out of relationships for a bit. It's time to take a break. Um, the worst thing you could do, my counsel would be the worst thing you could do is go back into another relationship with someone else. Because you have, you're vulnerable right now to be open to uh, Prince Charming to come in and say the right things and, and he's a man of God or w whatever might happen and, or you meet him at church or your family introduces you. And that is possible to happen, but most likely that's a vulnerability because you're open now. You've got an open wound that has not healed, right? So be very careful with that. Um, pump the brakes. Don't give your heart away. Do not give your heart away uh, soon. Um, keep it guarded. Be careful with that. And through time, as you, it, how, how do you rekindle a relationship with God? Uh, well, if you think of that island scenario um, where he doesn't go anywhere, but you're going to try to find anchors to that island. So in your, in your canoe, you got to get your ropes out. You got to get your anchor out. You got to get your hooks out. You got to do everything. You get your oars and you stick them in the sand. And those come in all kinds of ways. It comes with a spiritual discipline of prayer, of reading your Bible consistently, make it a daily habit, take notes. Uh, it comes with going, planting yourself with your feet in the sand, right, at, at the shore of the island in a local church, showing up on a Sunday. I don't care if you sit in the back. I, I don't care if you don't know anybody there. I don't care if you show up a little bit late. But as long as you're showing up, it's, it's kind of like trying to run a marathon. How do you run a marathon, Granger? Well, you start by putting your shoes on, and going outside and going some distance. It doesn't have to be, it shouldn't be really a marathon the first day, but any kind of distance, you, you just become a creature of a habit of moving towards that goal. And the goal is the marathon. The goal is knowing God. And that's a journey we're all going to be on for a lifetime. But it's really going to start with putting your running shoes on and getting out there and hitting the pavement. And a big piece of that is, is showing up in church, right? consistently, being poured over with, with good leadership, um, joining a small group or a, or a Bible study, um, doing, having uh, lunches or coffees, coffee with uh, fellow sisters in the faith. These are things that will ground you. These are your ropes and your hooks and your oars and your heels in the sand of the island. And this is something I would, I would encourage you to do to to keep you accountable and to keep you away from that, uh, that probably selfish desire to jump into another relationship quick to try to heal something 
that needs to be healed by God and consistent time with him. Next question comes from Kyle. It says, hey, Granger, I'm 32 years old and recently diagnosed with a rare form of cancer. My question to you is, how in difficult times do you handle the fleshly desire of self-pity, selfishness, and pride? I know this is a broad question, but any advice that you have, I would appreciate it. Oh, Kyle, I'm so sorry, buddy. I'm so sorry. And you know what? Um, I want to say right off the bat, first of all, I don't, I don't know what it's like in your shoes. And because I don't know what it's like in your shoes, I don't know how to appropriately answer that question. But I will walk with you as though we're having this conversation around a campfire. And what's difficult about that, and the essence of this podcast is me answering your questions casually, but, but what's difficult in this kind of scenario is that I would listen to you way more than I talk. And unfortunately, in this kind of setting, it's just me and a microphone. So my first thought that comes to my mind is, if you're asking the question, how do you handle the fleshly desire of self-pity, selfishness, and pride being diagnosed with a rare form of cancer? First, I just say, I say brother, the fact that you even label it as a fleshly desire, the fact that you even bring it up as, as an enemy that you need to eradicate gives me so much hope and encouragement that you're, you're on a really good path. Because I think recognizing that, that that could be an enemy, self-pity, selfishness, pride. The fact that you could recognize that that's an enemy, I think, is a huge mountain that most people don't get to. We see so many people that just, just wallow in their self-pity. They wallow in their selfishness. And this is why it's difficult for me to answer this question with you because I, I haven't been in your shoes. But so please forgive me when I speak of selfishness on your behalf because I don't know you, and I, I don't want to unfairly label you as someone that's selfish, but I'm just going by what you told me. And to think that it's all, to think that a sickness, okay, stepping out on a limb, to think that a, a sickness from a personal perspective is all about me is a problem, right? And, and to th say, anything. Say I, I get this, I get a stomach bug and my tendency, my human tendency is to think, oh, poor me. My day is ruined. My, I have lost all this time of the last, I've lost the last two days because I've, I've got the stomach bug. Oh, poor me. Right. And that, that's a very light example of how we could turn everything inward on ourselves and be so selfish and just think it's all about me. I Look, I see this when couples are fighting and they're on the brink of divorce. And so many times when these couples are at each other's, they're at each other's throat and they're fighting through something, I just think in my mind, and I try to tell them in the nicest way I can, I try to tell them both of you are just making everything all about you. I've, I've been dealing with this relationship for so long and I have put up with his crap for so long and his, his narcissism and his, he doesn't do this or I ask him to do, he doesn't recognize this and this and this. And then the guys over here going, she just nags and nags and nags. She doesn't understand my sensitivity toward th her nagging. And she doesn't even know that I'm actually going through this at work. And she come, I come home from work and she nags me at this and she has no sensitivity towards this. And I'm going, both of y'all are just being selfish. Look, look, another example. I tell my kids, Lincoln and London, when they, they start fighting and they do this. He said this, she said this, he said, and I go, who's going to quit first? Quit what? Quit the selfishness. 
Who's going to stop first? Who's going to break the selfishness and go, you know what? It's not all about me. It's not all about me. How many times do we need to hear that in our own lives? How many times do we need to tell ourselves that? It's not all about me. Oh, man. Can you imagine a world if everyone looked at themselves and said that? So my point with this, Kyle, is that the fact that you even recognize it as the enemy is so huge. In order to fight self-pity and selfishness, we serve and we give. Because you can't, with a, a full heart of gratitude, serve someone else and simultaneously have self-pity for ourselves. You can't wholeheartedly give and pour out to someone else with gratitude and be full of selfishness and pride simultaneously. Those things cannot coexist. And so you go, well, cool. That's nice for a postcard, Granger, but I've got cancer. How could I possibly serve others? I'm not even capable of serving myself right now, right? Mm. Kyle, you know that's not right because I've been to those cancer wards and hospitals and I've seen how valuable, how valuable empathy is in those cancer wards. Someone that understands when we lost River, my son, and we went back to visit people in the NICU, people that were, had just lost a child or had a child that was battling for their life. When we go there, when we speak to those people, even today, they will listen to us more than they'll listen to someone that hasn't been through it. That's our human nature. That's the power of empathy, right? And so you, with this rare form of cancer, being diagnosed, can serve others with a similar diagnosis. And it will be more powerful and more meaningful to everyone else way more than the people that have never been through it like you. And when you do that, when you serve others, when you say, what could I do for you? How could I help you? How could I be there for you? Just even to, just to talk. Can I come over tonight and we'll just talk? By you doing that, you're not capable of being selfish. You're not capable of drowning in self-pity. You're not capable of being puffed up with pride. Brother, I don't know what you're going through, and I don't want to pretend like I, I am. But from the outside looking in, this is, your, this is your roadmap to overcoming these, what you call fleshly desires. I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? Yes. This is a show about women. Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to European political systems class at Baruch College. Woo! Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. That's it. That's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. And looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Beauty Translated Season 3 is coming soon with... What? A second host? I'm Carmen Laurent, and this season I am joined full-time by world-renowned Janie Danger. Janie, what are we talking about in season three? We're talking about life, Carmen. Beauty Translated is about the many fragmented lives spreading across this rich tapestry of the trans experience. Janie, this sounds like an all-new format. Podcasting 2 is finally here. Thoughtful perspectives on current events 
stunning, sexy, bold interviews with an all-star lineup of guests. And the all-new Beauty Translated Love Line, the first ever. Be a part of the Beauty Translated Transcendental Podcasting Experience by calling our helpline at... 678-561-2785 For any problem you may have we will do our best to make it worse Listen to Beauty Translated Season 3 on the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Bye. Bye Hey, it's Alec Baldwin This past season on my podcast Here's the Thing I spoke with more actors musicians, policymakers and so many other fascinating people like actress and director Cheryl Hines they were looking for an unknown actress (laughs) to play Larry David's wife I said well how old is that guy isn't he old (laughs) and author David Sedaris you know like when you meet somebody and they'll say well I want to be a writer or I want to be an artist and I say well is it all you care about because if it's not it's going to be pretty hard for you if you're not on fire. It's like opening the door of an oven, and it's like, wow. You know, you take a step back. It's all they think about. It's all they talk about. It's all they care about. They don't have relationships. They're not good friends for other people. This is just what they're focused on. Listen to the new season of Here's the Thing on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to get a hold of me some way, maybe get a video message from me, you could do that at cameo.com slash Granger Smith. I will see your message. You send me a message and say what you want me to say in a video, and I'll make a quick video on my phone and say exactly that. Happy birthday, happy anniversary, word of encouragement, word of prayer, something, anything that you want me to send to someone else or yourself, you could do that with a video message from me from cameo.com slash Granger Smith. Next question comes from Anonymous here, and it says, Hey, Granger, first I'd like to say that your sermons have strengthened my relationship with Christ and brought me closer to Him. Thank you for your ministry. My question is, for what reasons should you leave a local church? I have been prayerfully considering leaving my current church for deeper Scripture teaching, among other things. I have attended this church for a long time and have close friendships within the congregation. Thus, I feel very torn about leaving. Ultimately, I want to do whatever God is asking me to do. Any advice that you have, even tough love, would be appreciated. God bless Anonymous. The first thing I would say in in response to this question is I would be careful with saying, I want to do whatever God is asking me to do. Because when you say that, you're implying that God spoke to you and told you to leave this church. And that's not that's not what happened. Okay. So let's let's be careful with the language. I'm trying to do what God is asking me to do. Look, look, I, I get it. I get what you're saying, but I just want to be crystal clear as we're talking to everyone else here. Um instead, let's change it to something like I want to be faithful to God's word, or I want to be obedient to my Savior, right? So let's say things like that instead of, I want to do what he's asking me to do, right? Um, Secondly, you said, what reasons should you leave a local church? And then the next sentence you gave, really good reasons. (laughs) You said, I have been perfectly considering leaving, and here's your reason, for deeper scripture teaching, among other things. And I go, well, amen, that's a good reason. Maybe you emailed because you just needed me to uh, hear that and and cheer you on a little bit. You need my approval, maybe, because you literally asked a question and then gave a really good answer to your own question. Maybe it just takes me to just tell you that you did that. So leaving your church for because you crave deeper scripture teaching is valid. Um, it wouldn't be valid to say, the pastor's not feeding me, you know, or, or like, I, I, I just, I feel like I'm not growing. That's not the pastor's responsibility to make you grow. 
or to feed you necessarily, kind of. But he would do that through deeper scripture teaching. So that's the answer. If he's, that's the way he should feed you. That's the way you should grow with that. So there's a difference between, I don't feel like I'm growing, and the pastor's not teaching deep scripture, okay? Uh, he's not teaching the full Bible. He's not expositionally walking through uh, different books, which is really the recommended way to, to answer all of these questions, instead of topical series throughout the year. Here's what I think you need from me. I think you're looking to just get validated in this decision. And I think what you need to hear is that you need to not sneak out the exit quietly. You need to schedule lunches or dinner with the leadership that brought you into the church or that has counseled you through your time there. You said you've been there a long time. And in that dinner or lunch or coffee, just be very honest and completely transparent and just go, look, I love you guys. I love the people. And I'm so torn. This is so difficult for me. But I'm seeking deeper scripture teaching. And I'm going to go somewhere else. I don't know exactly where yet, but I'm going to start my search. But I just want to tell you that it, it hurts me. It's not easy to do this. And I wanted you to hear it from me instead of you just stop seeing me show up and you, you wonder what happened to me. I, I, I wanted to tell you that. Now, that does a couple things. One, it's just, that's just a nice, generous, respectable thing to do. It's, 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 the, it's the way to have integrity and leave a church. But the second thing it does is it also sounds a little bit of an alarm that says we're losing people because we're not teaching deep scripture. Right? That's important too. And so you need to be honest with that. Um, the, th the, the third thing that I would say that this is going to do, um, it's, it's going to make this church if if they just saw you disappear, they would continue on the same path. It's going to make them rethink in leadership the way that they are presenting sermons on a Sunday morning. Next question comes from Jason. It says, hey, Granger, there's this girl who I have liked for about over a year, and she is my boss's daughter. We make eye contact whenever I see her, and she either smiles or quickly looks away. However, she has been with her current, current boyfriend for about nine months, and they've been doing long distance, and he won't be living here for a year. I've been to my boss's house multiple times to help remodel, and I've talked to the girl there. She's really sweet. We're both 20. What do you recommend I do? Let me get, let me, hang on a second. Let me get a grip on this, Jason. There's a girl, you like her, she's your boss's daughter, got it. You guys make eye contact, <laughs> which is interesting. And she smiles. You're getting these like this body language reading from her that she's into you, right? Um, recapping from my own mind, she's been with her current boyfriend for almost a year and long distance. But the thing I'm missing, Jason, the thing I'm missing is that you don't you don't say how she's doing with him. Um, I, th I that would be the first thing I'd ask is well is she happy with this guy because what if well, I was kind of expecting you to say she's she's got a wondering eye because he treats her horrible and he he never takes her to dinner or or she's very unhappy or he's got all these different girlfriends in different towns and. I, th I thought that that's where this was, this was going, but you didn't say anything about that. <laughs> All you said is you've been to her house multiple times and talked to her there. She's really sweet. Um, this is something, man, that 
you you have to be really careful with because you you come in you come in at this uh at this juncture when she is 20 years old and she's dating this guy for 9 months um you're you're in the position where you can get in a lot of trouble basically that's what i'm saying um for instance you you go to her and say look I like you. Just want to be honest. I like you. If you're into me, let me know. Then she's like, Oh my goodness. No, I, I don't. I've got a serious boyfriend. And then she goes back. And if she, if that's true, then she's going to tell the serious boyfriend and he's going to be like, you, wait, what? Your dad has hired this guy and now he's hitting on you while I'm out of town. And it, it, cre- it creates a, a really tough situation. So you got to be really careful. I, I, I would say, um, the best thing to do, and there is no right or wrong to this for sure, but if I was talking to you in the cab of a truck, I would say do not bring it up that you like her. That's a dangerous thing to do. Instead, and even though you probably want me to say that in this podcast, and that's that's what your impulse probably wants me to say, but I would just be super sweet to her. Um, try not to be too flirty. You're not going to go on any dates or anything. And And watch her. Um, look, this happened with me and Amber. When I first met her, I really, really, really liked her. And just like you, she was really sweet. Um, and she had a boyfriend and I didn't come to her as a, some home wrecker and say, look, not that that's the right term with a boyfriend, but I didn't come to her and say, Hey, um, I like you. Will you break up with this guy? You know, let's date. Instead, I was just as sweet as I could be. I, I I tried to be respectful for the situation. And Amber reached out to me. And she said, look, I just, I was wondering if the way you feel, if the way you feel about me is the same I feel about you, because I, I think there's more to us than friends. That's what she said. And then guess what I did? I, I pumped the brakes again. I, I still didn't say, yes, I like you. I said, and I promise she, she could tell you, she could back this up. I said, regardless of how I feel, if you have this kind of wondering eye, you don't need to be dating this guy. So break up with him and then we'll talk. That was my way of saying, look, I don't want, I don't want any part of being the bad guy here in the situation um, because it wasn't my place. I didn't have any claim on Amber at all. I didn't have any right to to move into that relationship and break it up, right? So I said, look, you'll show me something huge if you break up with this guy. And she did. She was like, okay. She broke up with the guy and she called me and said, I broke up with him. And then guess what I did then? <laughs> I said, okay. And I, I let about a month go by. And then we lived in two different towns. And then after about a month, I said, hey, I'm playing this little acoustic gig in Waxahachie. It's kind of close to you. Do you want to go grab some coffee after my gig? And she said, yes. Then after my gig, which she didn't go to, I didn't even tell her where it was. I went to the gig and I said, I'm finished. There's a, there's a Starbucks uh, 10 miles from me. and it, it looks like it's close to you. And she said, great. We went there, we got two coffees, probably 9.30 at night, and we drank the coffee, we talked, and we stayed there and talked until they started putting the chairs up, or the, the stools up onto the tables. And they said, uh, we're, we're closing. So I said, okay, we got to go. And I got in my truck, she got in her car, she went home, I went home, and we, we talked on the phone on the way home. <laughs> so we couldn't, we couldn't talk enough at Starbucks. We talked all the way home. And from then on, uh, we were messaging and talking back and forth and we became best friends. So look, that's not, that's not necessarily the right roadmap for you, but I'm partly telling you that I don't think going in and telling her, Hey, I really like you. Like you want to break up with this guy? He's long distance anyway. I don't really think that's the right way, or at least I could say that that wouldn't be what I would do. I would I would instead be courteous, be respectful, be sweet, be
be a man of integrity, work hard for her dad, gain a trust with her dad. Um, don't let the sun go down on you and her in the same room. Uh, be respectful in that aspect as well. Treat her like a lady. And then, I, I believe this will pan out in your favor if it's the right thing. And if it's not, then she might actually really like the other guy. And good for him and good for her. And if you truly cared about her, then that's what you would want anyway. Okay, so I, I think that's my answer. And that's a long way of, of just saying, I'd be careful with this. I, I, you Look, an, an alternative to me saying that is you go in, you go, hey, I really like you. I know you're dating this guy, but um, you want to come with me? And she goes, yeah, I do. In the back of your mind, from then on, you might be thinking, if a better guy comes along, he could easily come in and just have the same conversation with her and she just moves on to the better guy. And that's just what she does. She just upgrades constantly. Who's to say that she wouldn't do that if she did it with you? Just my thought. Love you guys. Thanks for being here. We will see you next Monday. Thanks for joining me on the Granger Smith Podcast. I appreciate all of you guys. You could help me out by rating this podcast on iTunes. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to this channel. Hit that little like button and notifications bell so that you never miss any time I upload a video. Yee-yee. You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now, this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Beauty Translated Season 3 is coming soon with, what? A second host? I'm Carmen Laurent, and this season I am joined full-time by world-renowned Janie Danger. Janie, what are we talking about in Season 3? We're talking about life, Carmen. Beauty Translated is about the many fragmented lives spreading across this rich tapestry of the trans experience. And the all-new Beauty Translated love line at 678-561-2785. Listen to Beauty Translated Season 3 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye! Bye! 